0: Thank you see All right. If you guys got your Bibles, turn with me to First Timothy, chapter five. We'll look at two verses tonight, in verses seventeen and eighteen. And if you've been been here with us long as we've studied this, I think we're in about six months in First Timothy so far, six or seven months. Uh, I've been. I didn't know what to expect in, in jumping into it. I knew it was about the church, but I didn't realize how good it would be. I've, I'm absolutely amazed at what First Timothy has taught us. Or what it's taught me about the church. It is so practical. It is everyday life in the church. If you've ever been in a church for a long period of time, you know that everything we're talking about is it's, it's happening in the church then. It's happening in the church throughout history. It's happening in the church today. So everything that he writes here is uh, for, again, Timothy's church. It's for our church. It's for every church in all ages. Uh, so this is a, an incredibly practical book that we've been studying uh, everywhere where people's God's people gather, this book is for them, and it's amazing that we used to take this book overseas to the mission field and teach churches who are just getting started, here's how you do church, and, and it's, a, it's a thing today that in America, we have to go into American churches and teach this now, uh, but this is an, an incredibly practical book. I think it's clear that God values his church. It's a priority to him. There's no way after you study First Timothy that you can walk out and say, I don't need the church. Or that I, I don't need to go to church, I am the church. Those are silly things to say after you read how much of a priority God makes the church. So tonight we're going to look at, and, and it's a good one, it's a fun one. Uh, maybe not for you, but for me. <laughs> uh, we're going to look at, and this might get me a lot of feedback. I might get a lot of emails or comments on this one. But We're going to ask the question, Should pastors get paid? So I appreciate you being here tonight for this, but it's just the next verse. I didn't plan this. I didn't look at it six months ago and say, I'm going to talk about pastors getting paid. Let's start in verse one, and we're going to work all the way through so I can get to that. It's just part of what, again, practical, what Paul wants Timothy to know about the church and what he wants us to know. So we're going to look at tonight, answers, should pastors get paid? Let's stand together, two verses. That's all you got tonight. It's going to be short. It's going to be quick. We're going to get out of here so fast tonight tonight. Uh, we're just going to read this passage and i'm going to say the answer is yes pastors should get paid amen let's go home <laughs> verse 17 says let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor especially they who labor in the word and in doctrine for scripture saith thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn and the laborer is worthy of his reward We'll stop there. I think it'll go on. But I just want to cover these two verses tonight, should pastors get paid. And the answer here is obvious, clear, yeah. But we're going to give you a reasoning why, why God says so. So let's pray together and we'll study this. Father, we thank you for your word. I love First Timothy. I love how practical it is. That We love the theological stuff. I do. I love talking about who you are. I love talking about the cross. I love that stuff. But I also love getting into the everyday, here's where we live, practical issues of life. And that's what we have here in the church. Uh, We're going to talk about a practical issue. And God, I I think it's very clear. And I hope that everybody here knows that I'm not doing this in a self-serving way in in any way at all. I'm just teaching what the scripture says. And if the Bible said no pastor shouldn't get paid, that's what I'd teach. But here, God, we're going to teach what it says. So God, help me to teach this tonight and do it in the right way with the right heart, the right motive, the right tone, so that people can understand these verses. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You could be seated. There are some pastors who use the church to get rich. And we know that, we see that. I can give you all kinds of examples of pastors who use the church to get rich. Uh, there's there's all kinds of uh, information online that you could look up and find these guys. It didn't take me longer than, than five minutes to find these examples of guys who are in it for the money. And I'm just going to give you a handful of these. Uh, there's a pastor, and I use that term lightly because I wouldn't call this man a pastor, but Kenneth Copeland is worth over $300 million. He's got an $8 million home and a $17 million jet that he flies around in, and he calls himself a pastor. Joel Osteen, you guys know him. He's worth over forty million dollars, and he lives in just one of his homes is a fourteen million dollar home in Houston, Texas. Stephen Furtick, one of the most popular new preachers said that you can find everywhere on Facebook. People love him, people share him, people talk about him, and I tell people all the time it's not hard to find that this guy is not worth following. And it's not just because he's in it for the money. His theology, his teaching is is so out of line. I would never let any of you guys follow Stephen Furtick. But he has a $3.9 million home. I can add on to this a man named Judas Smith. They found him preaching the other day in a $3,600 Gucci jacket. (laughs) John Gray bought his wife a $200,000 Lamborghini. And Steph said, Amen. T D Jakes, this is the last one, you guys know him too. He was preaching the other day in a $1,250 fanny pack. I call that not a theological statement, but that's a that's a some kind of fashion statement that he made there. (laughs) Something. All these guys wearing clothes that that you know. None of us would have in our closet. Nobody in their congregation could afford to wear something like that or to, to drive a Lamborghini or to live in a home like that. These are guys who are using the church to get rich. And they give every other pastor an, an incredibly bad reputation just because of what they do. But on the other end of that, there are churches who use the pastor to make them poor. And you see that there are more poor pastors in the world today than there are rich pastors in the world today. It's just that the rich pastors get more notoriety than the poor ones do. So there's some churches that, that don't even believe in paying their pastors at all. They say that, it, that, uh, I heard it today. My dad said that he heard that uh, somebody used to tell him that if they'll get paid to do it, then, then they'll, if you don't pay them, they won't do it. Uh, so there's, they believe that you shouldn't pay a pastor. And, and in our area, if you go to church to church in our area, there's very few churches that believe in paying a pastor. I'm actually one of the very few in our area that gets paid a salary to be a pastor. There's some that believe in paying their pastors very little. Uh, I, I've seen this. They, 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 they want to make sure that they keep their pastors humble. There's an old saying that, that they used to say about pastors and churches, Lord, keep him humble and we'll keep him poor. So there's some churches that don't want their pastor to, to have anything at all. They want their pastor to never drive any, any other car than some kind of used thing that they can't get around in. If they, if they buy a new car, they're saying, we're paying that guy too much. They want their kids to get new clothes out of the clothes closet. They want to keep their pastor poor. So on one hand, you have these pastors who are getting rich off the church, and on the other, you have the church who's keeping their pastors poor. So the question is, and we have both of those, you have both extremes, there's too much and there's too little, and I've said this a few weeks ago, what's the answer? And the answer is, God gives us something in between. God will always give us what's right, and that's what we have here in First Timothy. He's going to give us what's right. First Timothy, again, is so practical that it's going to tell us, should we pay the pastor? We've changed directions here Let me just give you the context. We've went from, and I think chapter 5 is getting to a lot of just very practical issues. We've gone from correcting each other in the church, which I think that was a a great passage, to caring each other for the church, in the church. And now we're going to get to compensating the pastor in the church. This whole section is going to be on pastors from verse 17 to verse 25. We're going to talk about, and again, the, the, the term they use, pastors, elders, overseers. These are leaders in the church. We're going to talk first about paying the pastor. Next week, we'll get to protecting the pastor. That's verses 19 through 21. Verse 22, we'll talk about picking the pastor. How do you pick a pastor? But today, and you can make a series out of this, but I want to just look at tonight one of these sections. Should we pay the pastor? That's verses 17 and 18. Should you pay your elder? Should you pay your overseer in the church? And and I think the answer is... Yes, so let's let's look at this, and I've broken it down into two points. I said I could make it a really short sermon tonight because it's two verses, it's uh, it's two points, it's really one answer. Very very short, very quick, very easy. I want to show you point number one in verse seventeen, the support for the pastor. So it says in verse seventeen, we're talking about the, the support, and I just want to look at one word right now. It says, "Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor." And you could circle that word, you could underline that word, it's the key word in the two verses, honor the pastor. It's the same word we had in, in, in verse 3, honor the widows. It's a, it's a word that you find again in 6.1 where it talks about honoring your master. So he's talking about honoring those who rule over you. Your, your elder, your overseer, the, the leaders in the church, you honor them. And this word honor can mean respect him. That's okay. That's a good way of of using that word. I think in six one that's what it's talking about, to respect your boss or your master. It could be regard him. It could be show gratitude towards him, appreciate him, value him. But I think here it's talking about supporting him. I think it's talking about paying the pastor. I I think I've been to churches before or conferences, I'm sure Johnny's been too, where they pay you an honorarium. And that's a, a payment that they give you. It's an honorarium. It comes from this word here. To, to honor the man who preaches, to honor the one who leads, to honor the one who rules is to pay and to support the pastor. Again, back to verse three of chapter five, honor the widows, support the widows, take care of the widows. He's saying the same thing here, that you are to honor the pastor. It could be all those things, showing gratitude and appreciation, valuing him, respecting him, regarding him. But I think here he's talking about paying the pastor. So, I'm going to say it at the outset, every pastor should be honored. Uh, I I think honor comes with the position. I think no matter who the pastor is in in that position, that if you call that pastor and you put him in the position of a pastor, he deserves to be honored. It's like our government leaders. Like them or not, we are told to submit to them and to honor them. Uh, We we may disagree with them, but we honor them. We may not like them, but we honor them. They may be bad, but we honor them. It's the same thing here. No matter who your pastor is, at the very outset, it's our job as a church to honor the man that God puts over the church. To honor the pastor, to respect them and value and, and appreciate and even pay them. Now, I'm going to give you a sidebar because you say every church should pay every pastor. I don't think that's the case. I think think some churches can't pay and support the pastor, and that's okay. Some contexts and, and circumstances are different, and there's some churches that just can't do that. So I think that that pastor, if they can't do that, still deserves the respect and the honor and the value and the appreciation, even if they can't pay him. Some pastors choose to work. Paul did that. Sometimes Paul would take pay, and sometimes Paul would say, I- I'm not going to take anything at all. Because he was afraid that there would be some people who would look at him and say, you're just doing it for the money. Or you're, you're, uh, he was afraid that he uh, wouldn't have the freedom to say what he wanted to say because somebody would take money away. So he said, I'm not taking anything at all. I'm going to go out and make tents during the, during the week, and I'll, I'll preach and teach at night. So he decided, I- I'm not going to take anything at all sometimes. I'll give you an example of that. 1 Corinthians 9. If you want to turn there. We'll be there a couple times tonight. First Corinthians nine. Paul says in verse one, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are ye are not ye my work in the Lord? If I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you, for the seal of mine apostleship are ye in the Lord. My answer to them that do examine me is this. Have we not power to eat and to drink? Have we not power to lead about a sister a wife, as well as the other apostles and the brethren of the Lord and Cephas? Or I only and Barnabas have not we power to give up working? That's what he says, to forbear working. Who goes to war? Anytime at, at his own charges. You don't send a soldier to war and make him pay for himself. He says, Who planteth a vineyard and and doesn't eat the fruit thereof? Who feeds a flock and doesn't doesn't get the the milk of the flock? Say, Are these things as a man or say it under the law? The same also. For it is written in the law of Moses, Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Does God take care of his oxen? So he's saying there, I've I've refused to take the pay, but I think that it's okay if they do. So Paul here, he said, Okay, I'm not going to take pay. He wanted the freedom, and that's fine. To say, I'm not going to accept pay if that's what you want to do. So Paul did sometimes and he didn't in other times. I think it's according to the context and the circumstances. But all pastors deserve honor. That's where we're at back in 1 Timothy. This is the pastor who just does the job. He deserves to be honored. That's the first step. The the pastor who just does the job, he's in the position, he deserves to be honored. And then Paul takes it a step further. Not just honor, but I'm going to call this one double honor. I call it double honor because Paul called it double honor. But it says in verse 17, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. So he goes from just honor. You honor the pastor in the position for what he's doing. He's just doing the job. Now one who does a good job. You give him double honor. Are you with me? You honor the first one. He, he's doing the job. He may not go above and beyond. But he's, he's taking care of business. He's doing his job. And then you go to the next one. And he says this one is worthy of, of double honor. He's, he's, taking, he's taking it two portions. Even more than honor. It's twofold. It's another step in, in, in honor. Who, who gets the double honor? You, you with me on this? Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor to the ones that rule well. The ones that have a greater commitment to the job. Amen. The ones that give greater effort, that are more faithful, that lead with excellence, that manages well, that takes and goes the extra mile. Some do the work, and I think that's the first honor. They do the work, they do the bare minimum, they, they're okay at it, but they're not going to go all the way. They get honored. they deserve to be honored. And then the next one, those who go above and beyond. They, they take it a, another step, they give it all they got, they devoted their life to doing this, then they deserve to be honored in a, in a double way. They get two portions. They're like Isaiah and, and Christian at the dinner table here's one portion, it's gone, give me another one. That's what it's saying here. They get the, 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 the double portion. They get even more. They're devoted to it. They've laid down their life for this. They've gone above and beyond. They've ruled well. I think someone who rules well and goes above and beyond and gives everything that they have to do this job will have a hard time doing any other job on the side. The first one may, you, you with me on that? The first honor may be a vocational pastor who, who does what he needs to do, but he also has other things that he's working on. He's He's working on the side and he's making money in a career somewhere else. He's doing the job, honor him, respect him, value him, appreciate him. But then we turn to double honor, the guy who really pours himself into it. He deserves double honor. He lives for the sheep. He doesn't rule by his own authority. He rules by what the word of God says. He deserves double honor. If he goes the extra mile. Double honor again isn't extravagant and rich. Understand that. Because some pastors, these guys who are wearing the fanny pack, that's $1,200. dollars would look at the, <laughs> if I ever wear a $1,200 fanny pack, you guys need a church discipline me. <laughs> You'll do it, right? First, first vote would take and use this verse and say, I'm doing a job well, I get double honor, and that means a $1,200 fanny pack. That means a $3,600 Gucci jacket, or whatever you want to say, a $17 million jet. But that's not what this is talking about. It's not talking about extravagance. It's talking about generosity. That you would double honor your pastor by taking care of him. So if he doesn't give everything he has, then don't give him double honor. Just take some discernment. It takes some evaluation. You need to look at your pastor and say, is he giving and going the extra mile? Is he living for this? Does he, does he love the sheep? Does he, does he do what he's supposed to do? And if he does, and he's pouring his life into it, then he doesn't just deserve honor. He deserves double honor. You say, how do you know if a pastor rules well? I don't think it's determined by success. If you feel the church, you're doing the job. No, these guys here that are, that are getting rich off the church, they can feel it. The church that doesn't mean they're doing it well oh, amen. doing it well is being good and faithful is doing what he ought to be doing is following what the bible says for him to be doing we just talked about that how does the, how does the pastor do it well verse four verse six of chapter four says If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ. And then we went two sermons talking about the qualifications of a good pastor. If he's doing these things right here, then he deserves double honor. If he's pursuing godliness, if he's working hard, if he's teaching with authority, if he's living faithfully and living godly, if he's doing what this says, then he's deserving of double honor. And I think that's the pastor who does it well. I'm going to give you three groups. Honor, the pastors who just do it. Double honor, the pastors who do it well. Let's move to the next group. Triple honor. (laughs) woo Yeah. The pastors who do it exceptionally well. They deserve even more. Watch this. It's in the the verse. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. So you got honor, then you got double honor. The ones who just do the job honor the ones who do it well and rule well double honor and then he says but especially chiefly those who labor in the word and doctrine those who really go above and beyond this is the triple honor this is the triple portion this is a teenager at the dinner table that's saying i need even more than than two servings i need a third this is going up even further. This is triple honor. Especially or chiefly those who, I love this next word, labor. It's a, it's a great word. Work. Effort. Who toll. Or work, this word means to work to the point of fatigue. To grow weary. To be exhausted in the work. To go so far and to give so much that you reach the point where you can't give any more. That's triple honor. And it's not just work. I love that word though. It's a word that they use for a day laborer who would sweat and break his back daily. You don't expect a day laborer to go out and break his back all day long. And then when he gets back, you don't give him any pay, right? And if a pastor is sweating and working like a day laborer, and I don't think he's breaking his back, I think the work that a pastor does isn't so much physical as it is spiritual and emotional. It won't break your back. It'll break your heart. And if you've got a pastor who's giving that much to the point of exhaustion where he has nothing left to give, where he goes home on a, on a Sunday night and he's poured himself into it and all he can do is lay back and, and say, I've, I've given it all, I have nothing else to give, and then he's got to get up on Monday morning and start all over again. He's laboring. It, 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 this is what the, what he calls what a pastor does, Labor. It's not, I mean, I, I hear this all the time, and it aggravates me. I've got to stick with the right tone here, but I, 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 I can go through town and meet with people, and they say, what do you do all week long? Sit in the coffee shops? You only work one day a week? You've never had a real job in your life. Why don't you get a real job, pastor? This right here says it is a real job. Amen. That you're laboring at it. Again, a, a man may go out and work construction and, and labor with his body all day long. But a pastor should be laboring in his office with spiritual and emotional pain every single day. The one who does that gets triple honor. That's what it says here. Especially or, or chiefly. People who say the pastor a, does it only works one day a week has no idea what it means to be a pastor. The word used for pastors in 2 Timothy, again, work. I'm just just focused on that word labor there. They use the word farmer, Paul does. You think a farmer's lazy? You can't be a farmer and be lazy. And then he talks about the military, a soldier. A soldier can't be lazy. There's there's no laziness in in the military. And then the next one that he uses is, is is an Olympic athlete. That's what he's describing as working in the church. It's a farmer, it's a soldier, and it's an athlete. These guys give everything that he has. And he's saying here that those who do that deserve triple honor. Who work like a farmer. They're up early in the morning and they're up late at night and they're giving everything they have every single season. Don't take any, anything off. They're like an athlete who, who trains. He said that there. Not exercising unto, unto your body, but unto to godliness. And a military, under command, doing exactly what God says all the time. That's the work that He's telling us here. Work at it. Deserves triple honor. And what are they working at? You see that? He doesn't say, Watch this. I think this is good. We're spending a lot of time in one verse tonight. (laughs) Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially or chiefly those who labor in weed eating around the church. (laughs) It doesn't say that. And and I want to do this. just, Just hang with me. Especially they who labor in fixing the toilets of the church. Especially they who labor. And you could go on and on and on. And I've done all those things. Johnny was talking about spiritual gifts the other day. And he said that the, the, he, the pastor asked him very early on and, and when he was a Christian and said, We need somebody to, what was it, the middle school girls' class? And Johnny said, I raised my hand. I said, I'll do it. After that class, I said, I did the same thing. I've been saved like a week. And the pastor gets up, makes an announcement, and says, We need somebody to keep the nursery. I looked at Steph and said, Let's do it. <laughs> it's the last time I ever did that. I've done it all. Pastor at First Baptist, the young Christian, he said, we need somebody to weed eat the bank. I'll do it. We need somebody to wash the church van. I'll do it. I've done it all. But that's not what it says the the labor is. My pastor at First Baptist had me washing vans, weed eating the banks, cutting down trees with a chainsaw. I love that thing. Steph won't let me have one. (laughs) That's not the labor it says there though, is it? It doesn't even talk about pastoral care there. That's part of being a pastor, that you'll go into the, to the hospitals, you'll do the funerals, you'll do the, the weddings, you'll do the baby dedications, you're there praying when they're sick. And it's, it's all that. I mean, that's what a pastor does, but that's not what deserves triple honor. Do you, you see that? That you're working in what? I could go on. There's all kinds of things that pastors do in the church, but the pastor that deserves triple honor is the one that labors... In the Bible. The pastor who sits in his study. Day in and day out. The exceptional pastors. Work hardest in. Study. I mean, I, 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 you, you're seeing it there like I am. You have your pastors who do it. They deserve honor. The pastors who do it well. Deserve double honor. The pastors who work and labor and sweat and toll to the point of exhaustion in the word of God are the ones who do it exceptionally well. And they deserve triple honor. And we can go back to what the word honor means. They deserve triple (laughs) respect, reverence, appreciation, value. I don't think that it necessarily means they deserve triple pay. That we're walking out here tonight saying whatever Josh makes, triple that thing. <laughs> I don't think that's what it means. I just think that it means that if he's, you guys know this is how it works. The one who labors and works the hardest deserves the most honor. That's how it works in anything. So he says it's triple honor. The ones who work in word and doctrine. The word is, 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 is. The Bible and doctrine is, is the content. we talked about that, how you, the, the Bible and then the theology, how you put all those things together, your, your doctrine. So those who spend the most time working in the Word are the exceptional pastors. Amen. They prioritize, they value Word and doctrine. Let me show you a few things. Chapter 4, when he was talking about, and we studied this already, but I think it's good. Chapter 4 says, if thou put the, the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister. We talked about the qualities of a good pastor. And you can just go down through here. Verse, verse 6, it says, they're nourished, the pastor is, in the words of faith and good doctrine. There it is, word, words and doctrine again. That he studies and that a good pastor does that. I, I could go to, to verse 10. For therefore we both labor. You see that? That's the same word. Labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God and the Savior of all men, especially those who believe, these things you command and you teach. Back to teaching again. Verse 11, we just did that. Verse 13, same thing. Till I come, give attendance to reading the word and exhortation and to doctrine. There it is again. Verse 16, take heed unto thyself and unto your doctrine. He just keeps on saying that. A good pastor is focusing his attention on word and doctrine. He's He's... he's prioritizing or valuing the word that's that's all over the place it should be the bulk of the pastor's job Amen. spend it in the word long hours of extensive preparation you should know when he gets up to preach on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Wednesday night or a, a funeral on Thursday or a burial on Friday or a podcast on Tuesday and he's well prepared because his nose has been in the Bible all week long. That's a, a guy who deserves triple honor. They teach often. This work deserves that is what he's saying here. And I, I, I think this is good for us because if a church, and I'm going I'm to say this, if a church values or counts as important, which they should, word and doctrine, then the church will give the pastor everything he needs to focus on word and doctrine. I want to say that again. If the church values and sees as important word and doctrine then the church will give everything they can to make sure the pastor spends his time on that. Right. If that's what they want, if I want a pastor who's going to give me the Bible and doctrine, then I'm going to make sure that he's not out working somewhere else all week long. Right. Amen. Yeah. Would the teaching in churches be better if a pastor didn't have to work another job? Amen. You better believe it would. You give some of these guys, and, and I, I, I highly respect bivocational pastors who have to prepare sermons all week long with the job that they have. But do you know that if, if, if we took the job away and they had all week long to prepare the sermons, do you think their sermons would be better? And do you think the people would be better served by those sermons? You better believe they would. So a church that says, you know what, I'm going to pay my pastor so that he can sit in his office and study and prepare and work so that he can come up here on Sunday and feed me the best that he can, it's good for him, it's good for us, it's good for everybody because we value the word and doctrine more than anything else. That's what it's saying here. That guy deserves triple honor. And I think that church deserves triple honor. Because they value it, he'll value it, it'll be good for the church. It'll be worth every penny you pay the man. Amen. When a church refuses, and I'm going to be very careful here, it shows that they don't value the word and doctrine. So honor those who pastor, yes. Single honor. <laughs> honor those who pastors pastor well. Yes, double honor. Triple honor to those who pastor an exceptionally well in word and doctrine. So you say, how much do you pay? It doesn't give you that. I I, I think that that takes wisdom. I think it takes fairness that you got to, we'll talk about that at the end, but you've got to look at your pastor and say, which one is he? And, how many kids does he have? <laughs> You've got to look at your area. I mean, some people, you know, if, if you paid the pastor in Wise County what you paid a pastor in Los Angeles, it'd be, it wouldn't be right. I think that takes wisdom and evaluation, love, generosity. But you honor a pastor who does it, you honor a pastor who does it well in a double way, and you honor a pastor in a triple way who does it exceptionally well. That's Verse 17. And now I'm going to give you one more point. I said it would be a short sermon. I, I, triple honor. I a lot of study here. I want to show you not just the support for the pastor. I want to show you the scripture to back it up. Because then he goes to verse 18. And I, I, I think he's just wanting to say this is how it's always been. So he gives us in verse 18 two scripture references, this, and we'll get through these real quick. There's not a whole lot in verse 18, it's just the scripture to back it up. That Paul says, this isn't just me saying that because I'm a pastor, you know. He could be writing to Timothy and, and he could say, Timothy, uh, uh, honor and double honor and triple honor. And, and Timothy gets up and reads it with a smile on his face. I, I think maybe in First Timothy, they wouldn't give him Timothy anything. So he's going to stand up there with a smile on his face and he's going to say, my best friend Paul just wrote this letter and he says, you guys need to triple honor me. And some people sitting the, in the pews are going to sit there and say, you know what? Those guys are just buddy-buddy. They're just, they're, they're just good friends. And Paul's trying to hook Timothy up because you know what? You talk about money and people get uneasy. I know preaching this sermon tonight, somebody's going to walk out or somebody's going to hear it online and say, yeah, that pastor's just in it for the money. I, I know that. I, I get that. So when Timothy stands up to read this, I think there's going to be a, Paul, he's just trying to help his body out. Well, Paul says, wait a second, got scripture to back this up. And he says there in verse 18, he gives us a scripture, first of all, of Moses in the Old Testament. We've read it in 1 Corinthians 9, but now it's in, in, in verse 18 here. He says, for scripture says, you see that? Now he's going to go back to the Old Testament. This has been how it's been since the Old Testament. Scripture says this. Where does Scripture say it? You don't have to turn there. I thought it was so funny this morning. When I said, "I love hearing the pages turn in the Bible," and everybody started just turning them so loud. <laughs> We're going to make our pastor so happy. Triple honor that guy. <laughs> Deuteronomy twenty-five, verse four. I mean, there's. I'm going to read a couple of verses here. If there be a controversy between men and they come into the judgment, that the judges may judge them, then shall they justify the righteous and condemn the wicked. And it shall be, if the wicked man be worthy to be beaten, that the judge shall cause him to lie down and to be beaten before his face, according to his fault, by a certain number. This is just the law. Forty stripes he may give them and not exceed, lest if he should exceed and beat him above this many stripes, thy brother should seem vile unto thee. Verse 4, thou shalt not muzzle the ox when he treads out the corn. I mean, it's just you say, what does that mean? Why is that in the law? And, and what it's saying there is, if if you got an ox that works, and, and they they would lay corn stalks down in the in the, on the ground, and they'd get an ox to go around and stomp it out. And if you put a muzzle on that ox, it would stomp around and couldn't eat anything as it went. You were making the ox work and do the labor, walking around, stomping on that corn without it getting anything in return. So it says here, don't do that to an ox. Don't you dare make an ox work and not give it anything in return. That's cruel. That's unusual. That's punishment. You've got to, if you're going to make the ox work, feed it. That, that's just common sense, isn't it? That's just decency. If you're going to make an animal work, give it something in return. Give it some water. Give it some food. Don't muzzle the ox. If the, if the ox works, let the ox eat. So that's, that's, It'd be heartless to, do, to, not, pay, to not give the, the ox food, right? I mean, everybody in here would say, that's awful. Peter would come around and say, what are you doing? Not feeding the animal. It's suffering. You're heartless. You're cruel. Take the muzzle off the ox and let it eat just a little bit as it goes. Come on. You say, what's that got to do with anything? Nobody would look at the ox and say, you're trying to get rich off that. (laughs) Right? Just getting what it's working for. That ox is trying to to wear a a fanny pack worth $1,200. No, so you're going to feed an ox. You get that. So God says here, (laughs) this is good. If an ox deserves to eat for its work, And God wants an ox taken care of. God wants animals treated fair. Then argument lesser to greater. Don't you think if God cares about an ox, he cares about a pastor? So don't you dare muzzle your pastor. Don't you dare. It'd be cruel and unusual, he's saying here. It'd be heartless for the pastor to do what he does. Honor, double honor, triple honor. And you not paid. That'd be cruel. That, 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 that would be heartless. If you didn't care and didn't feed the man. Or Paul said in First Corinthians nine, you wouldn't dare send a soldier to war and not pay him. You wouldn't dare go out and farm and not take from what you're eating and what you're working. So just like God cares for an ox, he's going to care for the pastor. So don't, Moses says, don't starve the pastor. Don't starve the man. That's Old Testament. Next one. Verse 18. For scripture says, don't muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. Stop there. And scripture also says. So this, this is another verse. You say, where does this verse come from? And I think this is wonderful. And Scripture also says the laborer is worthy of his reward like a day laborer you say that yeah if a day laborer if he's going to go out and work and that's what they, a lot of those guys were at that time they sit get, get stand at the city gate in, in the morning and those guys would come by and say we need two we need three we need four we need five and they'd get and they'd, they'd go and they'd work all day long and at the end of the day they'd give them what it was worth for their wages and he's saying there a laborer is worth the amount of work that he puts into the job that's any job why would it be any different with a pastor You say, well, where is this quoted at? I need you to tell me, Josh, where does it come from? This is Jesus in Luke chapter 10. So you have Moses in the Old Testament law. You have Jesus in Luke 10. And you don't have to turn there. Let's turn there. Just so I can hear the pages turn one more time today. Turn them loud. Somebody really want to rip your pages doing that one. Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out 70 laborers are sent out to do the work. I talked about that this morning. The harvest is, is truly great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into the harvest. And he sends out the disciples. Judas being one of them we talked about this morning. And he says in verse 3, go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Carry neither purse nor scrip nor shoes. Salute no man by the way. And into whatsoever house you enter first say peace be unto this house and if the son of peace be there your peace shall rest upon it if not it shall turn to you again and in that same house remain eating and drinking such things as they give for the laborer is worthy of his hire Jesus said that So Moses said in the Old Testament the laborer is worthy of his hire don't 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 put a muzzle on the ox if he's going to work he need to pay And then Jesus says it in Luke chapter 10 The same thing. Labor is worth his hire. He's going to work, especially if he's going to do the the, the triple honor work. Is he not worthy of his work? Every worker has a right to the fruit of his works. That's clear. I I think just as a sidebar, and, and, and we're almost done, I like that Paul calls Luke scripture. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, and and, and I quote this a lot. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, inspired by God, which it's inerrant, without error. It's inspired, it's infallible, it's sufficient, it's powerful. It's the uh, theonoustos, it's God-breathed. All scripture is. We love that verse. I love standing up here and telling you that all Scripture, every last line of Scripture, is breathed out by God Himself. That there's not a single error in the Word. But you say that out loud in front of people sometimes, and the response is, what Scripture is Paul talking about here? He's talking about the Old Testament. How do we know that the New Testament is inspired just like the Old Testament is? Well, I turn back to 1 Timothy, and I see him calling the Gospels inspired Scripture. All of it in in its entirety from Genesis to Revelation is inspired by God. Inerrant, infallible, powerful and sufficient and it is authoritative. It's the word of God. That's a sidebar. But Moses said it and and Jesus said it. All answering in the same way. So now we have, we need two or three, right? That's what it says. You have to have two or three witnesses in church discipline. As a judge, when somebody was going to bring you before court and accuse you of something, you had to have two or three. I want to give you two or three answers here to should we pay pastors. I've got Moses in the Old Testament. Don't put a muzzle on an ox. I've got Jesus in the New Testament. "A laborer is worth is higher. And I've got Paul here in 1 Timothy who says give them double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. I've got three different people Moses, I'm pretty, in pretty good company here. Moses, Jesus, and Paul. And they all answer the same way. Should pastors get paid? And the answer is yes. I said in the prayer, if all three had said no, I'd go find me another job. We, we go with scripture. But all three say yes, he should. So we go with that. It's what the sheep owe a good shepherd. So for me, if we're going to apply this in some way, and I'll close. I said I was going to let you guys out early. I was going to finish quick, but I missed my my target. For me, am I doing what deserves honor? That's the question. That's not for you. That's for me. And I've got to be examining myself every single day. Am I doing what deserves to be honored? I've actually told Steph this before. She can, she can tell you that I've said this. With tears in my eyes, am I doing enough? Am I doing what God's called me to do? The church has been so good to me and so generous and so kind in unimaginable ways, I've got to do more. And she's looked at me and said, what more can you do? And I said, I'm going to do more. I'm going to study harder. I'm going to work harder. Because you know what pastors do. Usually in a career, you take your exam, whether it be a doctor or whether it be a a lawyer, you take your bar exam. And then you get to do your work. Pastors have it the other way around. We do the work and then stand before God one day and have the exam. Where everything that we've done in this ministry will be laid open before the Lord Jesus Christ and we will find out whether it is made of wood, hay and stubble or precious metal. We don't know until we stand before him when the exam comes. So every single day, I'm examining myself to see whether I'm doing what's worthy of honor. That's me. Am I worthy of the single honor? Am I worthy of the double honor? Am I worthy of the triple honor? I've got to wake up every morning and say, Am I doing the work that's worthy of that? Am I being lazy? Am I putting things to the side? What am I doing? That's me. That's how I have to look at my life. I examine myself. Even with this passage, this isn't about me telling anybody that I deserve to be paid. This is about me looking at my life and saying, am I one that rules well? Am I one that labors in the word and doctrine? Am I worthy of the pay that that church gives me? That's what this is for me. Because if I'm not doing the labor, I don't deserve the reward. If I'm taking something from the church and I'm not giving anything back. Then I'm no better than Joel Osteen, or T.D. Jakes, or any of those guys who's taking money from the church. I have to examine myself, and then you have to examine me. You see, this is putting me in the spotlight again. You have to examine me, and you have to ask, is he doing what deserves to be honored? You have to ask that. You have to examine me, and, and I have. Uh, we have a, a a big church for this area. I've got all kinds of people with eyes on me saying, does he deserve what we give him? And I say, you get to decide that. But let me close with this. Whether I deserve it or not, you'll decide. But for 12 years, this church has triple honored me. And that's me. That's my wife. That's five kids. I would go beyond even triple honor. You've given me more, I'm afraid, than what I've given you in return. That's my fear. Because you have been so kind and so generous to me. And it shows how much this church not values me, but values word and doctrine. that is a testimony to this church that we value the Bible so much that we're willing to give generously so that that guy can study and preach. Amen. So thank you. I'm going to end with that. Thank you for triple honoring me for 12 years and letting me sit back there. I get a call once, two, or three times a day People will call me. Johnny will call me every Tuesday just to tell me he loves me. It's music to your ears. It's somebody tell you, Johnny will tell me, I love you and you're doing a good job. But he'll say, What are you doing, preacher? And my answer is almost always the same thing studying and drinking coffee. <laughs> It'd be weird if I said anything different, wouldn't it? You call me on Wednesday, what are you doing? Studying, drinking coffee. If you call me on Thursday, studying, drinking coffee. Friday, studying, drinking coffee. Saturday night, midnight, what are you doing? Studying, drinking coffee. It's what I do. It's what you want me to do. And I thank you for letting me do it. I thank you for triple honoring me. Everybody in here and anybody who will listen to this later, this church has went above and beyond. And I thank you for valuing the word and doctrine the way you do. Amen. Amen. For letting me give my whole life to the word and doctrine. And I hope and I pray that it's worth every penny you give me. So thank you. Let's pray, Father. uh, This is is a difficult passage to preach. Um, I pray that I've done it well. I pray that I honored you with the way I taught this. I hope everybody in here knows that it was not meant in a self-serving way at all. I'm not asking for anything. If the church offered me a raise right now, I'd turn it down. It's not what this is about. Thank you for a church that loves your word and loves doctrine the way it does. That is rare. You could ask anybody. I know there's some men in here who um, have their ear to churches and what's going on in America. And it is rare. I mean, exceptionally rare to have a church that loves the word and doctrine this much. Rare. So thank you for letting me be in a church that loves the word and doctrine so much that they'd let me sit in my office and study and bring the word week in and week out. And God, I pray that you'd help me to give everything that I have, to labor to the point of exhaustion, to toil, to give everything that I have, to pour my life into this for you, for this church. And again, God, thank you for supporting me through this church for 12 years. And I pray that it continues that we'll be able to do this for years to come. I'm a blessed man and I know it. Thank you for letting me preach this tonight. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.